Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest for a multiracial mix of queer writers gathered around the table to talk about sex, identity, oh. culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, we go nuts for nut. <laughs> we I mean, do, though. Facts. Where is the <laughs> Who hurt you? Who didn't hurt us? <laughs> Literally all of Brooklyn has hurt me. <laughs> so, um, Joe, how are, how is your um, incessant mouth breathing doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh we my get complaints. We, we really do in like, our DMs. It's stupid. Do you know who's breathing into the mic? Yeah, it's always Joe. <laughs> it's the white man. My it's boyfriends the... really love how much I snore at night too. Ooh. Oh, their wait. favorite thing about Do me. You snore? We've all slept in the same room. Y'all know that I snore. Uh, Joe is a very dramatic. I sleeper. take a tranquilizer so that I don't have to. <laughs> you mean when we record? Every night. Yeah, right before. Like I'm high as a horse right now. I was like, I, once I remember thinking like because we, we were on, Joe and I were on tour together. I think we were like in um, Providence or something like that, and I heard him from the other room and I was like is that sleep apnea is that- <laughs> should I like do something to keep his airways open oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you wake up fully with Tommy's fingers in my mouth <laughs> and you would love it he would absolutely love it live <sighs> Joe live please no, I want you to be alive let me go let me go <laughs> so yeah, if you're getting attacked in your sleep you're saying that we should just shut the lock you in that Correct. room and yeah. stay away if Correct. someone tried to attack Joe in their sleep they would full one eight be like this there's something wrong this is not worth it this is not worth it he's attacking himself (laughs) (laughs) yeah the death drive is coming from within inside the body (laughs) a Freud reference really is that how we're starting that's where we're going that's where we are (laughs) back to business this is Tommy Teebs Pico I'm a poet screenwriter and oftentimes I wonder what becomes of the broken butted? Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting right here. My butt is still broken. They start a podcast. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and I am recently addicted to Tevas. Ooh. I love Tevas. Why do you hate Tevas, Joseph? Because they show your feet. <laughs> they, they are your shoe. They are so your Joe, shoe. Joe, you are the token lesbian on this podcast. You, like, it's you only are by formality that we a human Teva. <laughs> It's only by formality that we don't refer to you by your full name, which is Joseph Maggie Nielsen, Ring of Keys, <laughs> Subaru Tiva Bechtel Osmondson. It's in my phone book which that is, way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, the that's timing, you know, on all your paperwork. <laughs> that's it. 
I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader, a writer, former figure skater, and I am actively waiting for Laura Croft to raid my tomb. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't even... I don't. Okay. <laughs> I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I will fist you with my feelings. No. no. See, I knew no. that Joe's was about <laughs> to be some bullshit, so... Just, it always is. We're going to start cutting your introduction if you keep this up. <laughs> Uh, well, be useful for once, Joe. Tell us what's on the menu. Today, we're all newlyweds. And in a very uncharacteristic move, we actually change our minds on something. Mm. We swipe mm. left on dating artists. And for dessert, Fran takes us to the movies. Take it away. Mmm. Mm. Stop, Stop it! it! <laughs> <laughs> Feeling a little peckish. Uh, I think it's time we start the top of this show the way any good top should, with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to muse our booshes today, Fran has a little game for us. That's right. We are going to put our friendship to the test with a little game we mm. like to call The Thought Seat. Uh, I have pre-selected a series of questions quizzing each other on just how well we know each other, based on some, you know, some personality and fun facts based oh, no. uh, inquisitions and uh, we will keep score so Ooh. I hope oh. y'all are ready because this is a game you can win oh no oh, or lose dear. oh no and mm. yeah. we all lose yeah, yeah. yeah. because <laughs> literally I don't know who any of you people are um, <laughs> you have to know someone to hate them though Fran that's true that's true keep your enemies close they say um, let's start with Denise oh lord Jesus the question is how often does Dennis douche? Oh, I know this one. I, I know actually, this one. I actually know this one too, I feel. The answer is absolutely never. Never. Never, I, never yeah. Literally never. Answer. Never. I mean, that should be easy. I talk about it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of the fact that I never douche. Although it doesn't mean I haven't douched. I've done it twice in my life. Right. Twice in your life? I Wait, do, in your I do, life? I do twice in my life. The first two times I had sex, I did it. And I do it twice, I twice a day. On Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. It's actually, douching is actually Joe's religion. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Your I self-care. Just, I like being <laughs> emptied out. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do too, but I can do it without the help of, of anything else. Okay, so, so is it like, do you are you like a like a like a like a mind like a mind controller, but you control your own mind? Like where do you, do you know where the food is in your digestive system? I literally like, actually feel like at any given point I almost feel like I know where the food is in my body. It's wow. true. And I and I just like I know I, I'm very regular and it's just very easy and simple. Can you imagine knowing exactly what's going on in your body? That sounds terrible. Horrible. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nightmare. Worst. worst mutant power ever. I love it. <laughs> it makes me feel like I know myself. Let's do me next. Um <laughs> what is Fran's favorite hookup app? Mm. Okay, so this is hard. I, oh, I know it. I know it. I know I it. I know too. it. Can I guess? I guess Instagram. Yes. But is that a hookup app? I would say none because Instagram is not a hookup app, okay. actually. I think that it is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or and it could potentially if, be. If this is, what is an Insta- application that is used for hooking up, it is therefore a hookup app. And I say Instagram as well. I agree. Okay. What, I say- are d- what are DMs for if not for hooking up? Who amongst us has not slidden into the DMs? I say none. Slidden. <laughs> I, before recording. I wrote down that I would have accepted both Instagram and yeah. none. Oh, because yeah. technically, <laughs> we I'm not on any hookup app. So yes, a everyone true gets verse a point. Queen. Oops, sorry, not me. Um, okay, everyone gets a point. Great job, Tommy. Yay. How old is Tommy? Ooh, I know this one too. Chico. I know this one too. <laughs> I, Does anyone else know? I think so. Thir- 
You could be 52, <laughs> or you could be I'm 22. A, I'm going to kick him out of the studio for, on your behalf, <laughs> James. I'm going to say 35. Like, ding, 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 ding. That's a correct answer. Oh, I didn't even get a chance to guess, but I would have guessed somewhere in the late 20s. <laughs> uh, fun fact, the most searched term after Tommy Pico in Google is Tommy Pico age. Oh. They, the girls want to know just because, you know, I'm okay. super duper immature and I have no wrinkles yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, well, Joe. No. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Where is Joe from? I, I know a region. Is that good enough? I know yeah. it's I know Pacific the, Northwest. I, I know it's in rural Washington. Yeah, I was going to say, I know the I state. Oregon. Oh, it's Same Washington. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was close to the Oregon-Washington border. A, lo- oh. a logging I town? Think, I know yeah, it's a logging town. town. It's a small it? town where all of the women look like lesbians, but apparently none of them are. And right. Joe was horribly bullied? I know that much. Is it... <laughs> Is That's it called also Joe like now though? <laughs> it's probably named after some Native American tribe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, 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 horribly yeah, yeah. racist. So like Waxahachie like or this, something. Like a Sacagawea <laughs> or something. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Sac- You're Sac- guessing Sacagawea, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, Okay, so just tell us, Joe. Put us out of our misery. Washington. It is called Arlington, Washington, and it is not Ooh. close to the Oregon border. It's close to the Canadian border. Oh, oh. so you're basically Honestly, Canadian. Same I am basically thing. A. Go Check- back. From whence you came. <laughs> technically Canadian. That, technically that Canadian. does technically. track. That does track. Technically. Okay, so no points for anyone there. <laughs> Nobody knows Joe. <laughs> Has Dennis ever kissed a woman? Yes. I think I remember a story. I, I guess. Think, I think I remember the answer being yes. No more than kissed, but kissed. Yes. I yes. guess not. I guess yes. You know. <laughs> it's hard to grow up in this world and not have it happen at least once. Uh, okay. Oh, we're all weak. Okay. We're all disappointed in you, D. Just it kidding. happens. <laughs> if we were stronger, we would only date women. Um, fully true. True. But then that would make us straight men. Um, oh, I know. And that wow. is what I can't handle. Disgusting. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. How many times has Fran's lung collapsed spontaneously? I guess, my guess is twice. Two is my answer. I, I remember one of the stories, but I remember there being more than one story. Oh, please, annually. Annually. <laughs> so what, 20, 28 times. You, it's and, clap- I, and I bet you feel it coming on. It's much collapsing like, right now. Yes. <laughs> so it has te- technically collapsed three times. Oh, oh, that was actually going to be my real guess. The second time, it was like two in the span of one week. Wow. Oh, it was. It, so was that wow. one collapsing event, and it just never healed? Yeah, never. It, yeah. It's. It, I was. I was like, up, about at a hundred, and then it collapsed again. Wow. Wow. She just wow. couldn't take it. Wow. Couldn't take it. This is my, it was the my first was year in New York City. It was the worst. Oh so nobody that, gets a point. That will do no it. Point. That a will point. do it. Um, how long was Teebs's longest relationship? I think it's nine months. No, I think I, it's like. Six. I also second. I think it's six. I think it's nine. I'm going nine. It is actually (gasps) six months. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm so Mm -hmm. happy. I would Mm -hmm. say, I mean, I would say seven, but it's actually six because during one of those months, I was on tour and he was on tour. We never saw each other. And I also, you know, let's not get into specifics, (laughs) but (laughs) six months. What is Joe's 
ethnicity. <laughs> I'm kicking myself off the show. <laughs> so, I have a few guesses. Okay. Dutch. Or... Is German the same thing as Dutch? Sure. No. In America, yes. In America, yes. It's, I mean, technically. Yes. I feel like or we... Polish? No. I would say... It's German. Um, solar flare. Osmundsen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That Osmanson. is so true. I was going to say, I think, I mean, we have to start off with the umbrella of white. Mm-hmm. With several H's after the W. <laughs> and then from there, I feel like... Joe is a little bit Scandinavian. Oh. So, Nor- Norwegian? Tell us, Joe. I wrote down white with three H's. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. I fully did. And uh, Norwegian and Irish is is the correct sum. No way. So, white. Dennis was the most right. Dennis gets... Is the only one who gets points. Oh, you look yes. Irish. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. He does, I feel like actually, yeah, the lower half of Joe's face to me looks Irish. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the lower half of my face. Dennis yeah. got a point there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Has Dennis ever fucked a Republican? I think the question is actually, has Dennis ever not fucked a Republican? <laughs> Literally fucking a Republican right Stop now. It. Stop it, dearest listeners. This is slander. This is slander. This is not true. Please do not listen to Tommy. Literally ever. Dennis is a, 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 a standing, upstanding citizen. Um, I I think Dennis has not only <laughs> fucked a Republican, but they've fucked a Republican police officer. No, <laughs> more slander, oh. lies, lies, and more lies. So sad, dirty lies. Um, I guess at least once, Dennis. Um, so in fact, to my knowledge, I have not actually fucked a Republican. But I did go to an all boys high school in a place called Hunting Valley, Ohio. So I have certainly sucked some some Republican dick, but, but, that but not happened. actively known right. what their political right. orientation was. Well, Premature no, no, Republican. I mean, they were they, yes, people who were like like the, in high school. I'm a Republican, but they weren't voting age yet. They're pre- they weren't they voting didn't age vote. yet. They weren't pre- voting. So Republican. you were engaging in underage sex, <laughs> and, and now <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, because I am a homo, and now. <laughs> So we and it, it was like it was like I mean it was like going going to the school was like the cave of wonders. I mean there was just so much dick to be had. But this is the point: all of them are no longer Republicans. Okay, so we, I, none of us got the point. I also feel like D purposely doesn't ask about white men's political affiliation so they can avoid knowingly fucking a Republican. Wow. Fully true. You have definitely <laughs> fucked Fully a Republican. True. You just didn't know. Fully about true. It at That's the why time. I had to say knowingly. Knowingly. Technically. I still think. That no one gets a point there. Uh, no, yeah. no <laughs> one gets a point. Um, how many colleges did Fran attend? Good God. It's three or four. I think I, it's... I fully... Uh, I think it's five. I think it's four. I'm going to go three just to be controversial. I think it's five. Because I feel like when I heard the story, I remember being like, you literally went to more colleges than there are years in which to go to college. <laughs> yes, so sir. you say five. Mm-hmm. I went to four. Yes. Oh, wow. I went to DePaul, Indiana, University College London, and NYU. Oh, mm. I didn't know okay. about the NYU connection and the School of Hard Ro- Hard Knock Hard Rocks, <laughs> <laughs> Hard Knocks, <laughs> and the School of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I mean, we all want to get attention at that school. Oh, please. Um, what is Teeb's favorite sex position? Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think is, that's true. Is fraudage a sex position? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I'll say, well, asleep is really good, though. <laughs> asleep is I'm really say, good. I'll say fraudage. I'm going to say on her knees, because she does like to suck oh, some oh, on her knees. Yeah. That's a really good one. Well, I wrote down, me being asleep and you at home. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe wins! No, Joe doesn't win. He gets a point. Okay, wait. Tommy and Joe are tied for first. <gasps> Um, but Joe can't get a point in this next one, so Tommy already wins. <laughs> um, oh, God, this this is amazing. Um, what is Joe's PhD in? <laughs> no one's going to get it. No idea. I literally have no idea. I have no clue. You're a literal doctor, and it could be I... philosophy <laughs> in science. English? What kind of science? You can't just say science. <laughs> I can say it. That doesn't count. You cannot get a point unless you get Wait, more specific. Is it actually? Is it actually get... molecular biology? biology? It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's got multiple words. Mole- <laughs> a lot of syllables. <laughs> S and D. Uh, it is molecular bio. Physics. Physics. Literally not even the fun one. That's that's too much to ask anyone to remember. Could not have been more disappointing. I've already forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going back to Alvin Ailey. For our next segment, uh, we've been kind of mulling over the fact in the group chat that we've actually come a long way over our four seasons, our time together. Um, for example, Dennis is thinking, thinking about getting it in. I'm like sort of sh- seeing a short guy. Uh, Joe is making money, honey, and loving it. And Lies. Fran Lies. is every now and then think about full communism now. So we thought about debuting a new segment called On Second Thought uh, that shows how we've done some hashtag growth. Um, mm. For example, I'll go first. Um, on Second Thoughted uh, Ariana Grande, to be honest with oh, you. Wow. Yes, and it was the Thank You Next album mm-hmm. um because i heard i saw the video and i didn't really hear the song uh and then i did pay attention to it and i was like oh this was like tailor-made for me because it's about breaking up with boys and dating yourself yeah and i was like mm-hmm. this girl i see this i see this has a little bit of maturity in it and then i mm-hmm. saw i heard the seven ring song uh, and when she gets to the i was like that is flow ariana has flow what is going on with this and then there's that tears left to cry song and then there's like the break up with your boyfriend because I'm bored and I was like okay I'm on board with this girl now you're like how dare you plagiarize my literal diary (laughs) and then I went back and like I don't know I just saw some other videos of her I was like oh and she can she can sing she can sing. She can yeah. sing. She can the sing. girl can the sing. Pumps. Yeah, I didn't, Joe, I didn't know. Yeah, Joe will never like her because he doesn't appreciate no tears left to cry. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I still got understand. some left. <laughs> always more tears. But no, I'm with, I'm with you, Teebs. The girl can sing. she got pipes. Isn't I've it? always been on the Ari train because I am nuanced. Uh, <laughs> but uh, glad you're joining us. Yeah, and then also, like, then I saw, I I went through the archive of stuff, and, like, she's been on those Jimmy Fallon interviews where she does, like, the vocal impressions. Oh, my God. Those are so good. She's great at that, yeah. She's, like, the only one, there's, like, one person in the entire world who was, like, singing, like, Christina Aguilera into their mirror with, like, a a hairbrush, and it actually paid off, and it was her. It was her. She sounded exactly like her. Perfect. So true. Yeah. yeah. I've always been an Ari Stan. She's great. I love her advocacy for like mental health and trauma and PTSD. That's like really powerful yeah. thing for like the most followed woman on Instagram to do. Mm. Um, and is so it her. her brother your best friend? Yes. 
Frankie Grande is my arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> One day he's going to listen to this podcast and be fucked. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I came around to horror movies. Oh. Yes. Second yes. I really, well, first of all, I was like not allowed to watch like horror movies growing up. Like really like it was the devil. Like it was like bad for you. Um, and like I was just, never watched a single horror movie in my childhood mm. and then I got to adulthood and like I would try to watch them like I had a best friend that was super into horror movies and I just hated every second of them but I was just watching bad horror movies mm. it wasn't until I watched Get Out where yeah. I really understood how the thrill worked and then I watched Us and then I watched Hereditary and then I watched Midsummer, and like all this this unraveling of all these other like horror Objects and especially contemporary ones, I think, are so ahead of their time and deeply complex. I know the thing is, like, there's so there's so much metaphor sewn into horror as a genre, and mm-hmm. there are so many ways in which, like, if you think about um, dramatic storytelling as having to have a center in conflict, mm-hmm. somebody has just taken something subtext and turned it into text right right mm. and they're just like oh actually the person has to literally die right you know and the thing is like it gets copied by people who don't understand that who think it's just about the gore or just about the jump scare and right. you, and then the thing has no substance anymore right so yeah. it is and i think we're living in a wonderful time for horror in general um and also hail payment so <laughs> <laughs> hail payment <laughs> um okay guys this is big for me to say. Okay. Um, I my on second thought is in regards to average sized peen. Oh, because you came so out swinging hard for I, baby arm. I came out swinging hard for the baby arm, and I mean, don't get it twisted. I still enjoy the baby arm, but this is the thing. In the last, like, it's a year, year and a half. Like, I, my sex life has just been very different than it was before that. And so a lot of times I'm, like, having less sex or I'm having, like, less frequent sex in some ways. And I found that in the wake of that, it's just a lot easier for me to sleep with a guy that has an average-sized peen. It's just, it's easier to take. Yes. And... Like, I can still have a wild romp, whereas Correct. if it's the size of my arm, I'm like, okay, we've got to train for three days so for this. Yes. I have to get a toy. Right. Like, like there's a lot of work that has to be done. And he has to be willing to eat the ass. And not every man is willing to eat the ass. Oh, what? I mean... If they don't Which eat is the a, ass, I don't. Then they're a fraud, and they, I they probably shouldn't sleep they, with them. If they, but, they can't yeah, eat it, then they can't but, stick it in. That's yeah. a thing. I, that is a yes. good rule. Yeah. That, especially if they have, like, a bigger dick. But I'm just saying, like, the, my most recent ex, who was, like, more of a serious ex, like, he fully had an average-sized peen, and it was some of the best sex I had in my entire life. Ooh. And after that, I, and he also, I slept when I slept, the first time that we slept together, which was on our first date, um, I don't think I'd slept with anyone for five months. Wow. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm not scared of that. Like, I can handle that. And I did, and it was great. Yes, there's yeah. no little Kim narrative of having yes. to used to be scared of the dick, and now you fucking love it. Actually, you don't have to be scared you of don't it. You don't have to be scared of it. You don't have to look at it and die inside a little bit. I love being yes. dead inside. <laughs> if you have average size peen, you are more than welcome to slide into my DMs. Yeah, it's like convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's really it's there. Is. It's it not really going to literally turn you inside out. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no risk of a pro- prolapse. You're not going to have to do. Yeah, sits I was going to say I don't have days to, I don't afterwards. Yup, yep. yep. I don't have to worry about my nacho exploding. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Mm. <laughs> Gross. So my on second thought 
is the social media network Twitter. 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 This I regret. Yeah, same. (laughs) Go back. um, (laughs) I used to think uh, my saying as someone who's trained in the academias was that anything worth saying is worth taking more than 140 characters to say it in. I believed that Twitter sort of flattened nuance and kind of hyped up the worst things in discourse. Uh, I got online on Twitter when when I started wanting to be a writer and have people engage with my work and I knew it was a great place like on Twitter you can like DM an editor and ask oh hey can I send you a pitch and they'll actually DM you back with their email address where mm. whereas like in other platforms it might be inappropriate to reach out to an editor in such a way I found that on Twitter it actually worked really well but then once I started looking at the platform and taking it on it's just like a writing prompt and yeah. actually writing prompts are really good for your writing like how can I distill this big idea down into a very short sentence or two mm-hmm. how can I take this sort of thing in culture that doesn't make sense and create like you know two sentences that don't make sense that distills that big idea down into something small it made my writing better and it made me more willing to like make a joke Mm -hmm. to like be a little less Mm self-serious to like find new ways to phrase sentences that didn't have 18 million dependent clauses in Mm -hmm. them so it definitely Mm -hmm. like it let me flex my writing muscle in a new and different way and I made like friends on it I made a new writing community so I've like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like in academia, my overwhelming sense of academia is it's like it, it turns simple ideas and needlessly complicates them. Yeah, it can, because I think people are afraid of being called out for being wrong. So like mm-hmm. the clearer you are with your arguments, sometimes the easier it is for someone to be like, well, that is a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. So people obfuscate their ideas in like really tortured prose. Uh, and that's not good. No, yeah. that's not good. Sometimes like being clear and direct and short uh, is mm-hmm. good. I don't know if being short is good, but on second thought, I know, I, I know. I'm coming around to the idea, but I'm just saying, like Meryl Streep and Big Little Lies. I don't. What would she say about? I don't trust short people or something like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> said, I don't trust short people. <laughs> I mean, Joe, I want to really put your love to the test. Like, do you really love Twitter? I think if like you really loved it. You could let it go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, we could have you... or do you just like having a display case for your perpetual crying? I maybe, mean, I do. I love that. Maybe you could just like leave it for four to seven years. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and, and also just like quick addendum, like as an editor, I hate being DM'd on Twitter. So like that is advice that works for some people. Uh, and I also think it works for someone who might have a body of work, you know, correct. on Twitter. But like I as an editor hate being DM'd on Twitter and pitched on Twitter. Like don't ever send me anything over Twitter DMs. But you can try your luck and I won't be like super offended. I, I actually would also just say quick tip to that. Like some editors will just have their pitch email address in their Twitter bio. Right. So for them, maybe look at that and you don't need to DM them. If they mm-hmm. don't have it there, then it may be like safer to DM them. You definitely don't want to DM a pitch, but I found like a quick little one sentence. Like, oh, I haven't. I, I would love to pitch you on this idea and like 10 times out of 10 they've gotten back to me with an email yeah and then yeah. I have my my assistant's email is on Twitter in case people want to get in touch with me mm-hmm. about things so you know I gotta What's say more name, shorties Kelly. Kelly 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 love you Kelly <laughs> love um, also like the one good thing that comes out of Joe being on Twitter is me having um, a focus for my cyber, cyber bullying. bullying. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. That doesn't make it easier. Follow, yeah. follow my true. Twitter to see uh, Team cyber bullying no, no, no. every day. Don't follow, <laughs> follow Joe my on Twitter. Twitter. Don't do Reluctantly don't Joe do on Twitter. <laughs> follow me if you want real content. <laughs> follow me if you want the opposite of content. <laughs> follow me if you want horrible dad puns. <laughs> Correct. Follow me if you want a break. <laughs> 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 ah! <laughs> <laughs>
an update once every other month. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> this message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury. Because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care. And even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. Mm, it's time we move to the meat of our conversation, the thought process, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And to help us process our thoughts, uh, Fern's going to lead this discussion. That's right. This year at Tin House, we recorded a beautiful and fruitful discussion uh, about what it means to write about our exes. That conversation did not make it to the airwaves due to technical <laughs> difficulties, and this is technical and twink-related difficulties. Um, and Friends and so this is our, our our new our new stab at it. Um, what does it mean to write about our exes? Or if not our exes, our significant others, or our insignificant others, or our fuck buddies, or our hate fuck buddies, or like whatever the fuck it is. Um, and when do we give ourselves permission to write about any of those people? When is it ethical? Is it ever ethical? Um, so to launch us off, I'm just kind of curious, because this is the easy question, have you ever written about an ex and, or in the case of Joe have you ever not <laughs> written about your ex Joseph yeah, are there ex that we, exes that we don't know about uh, I have literally written about each and every one of my exes wow uh, I wow. am Alex Cheat challenged me at Tin House two years oh. ago to not any longer write about a relationship until uh, after 10 years since it's passed. And I think that's, a, in general, it's something I'm trying to live up to. You know, little sort of dates or whatever, I kind of go in the work, but um, once a relationship gets more intimate, no. But I do have a rule that when I write about exes, I always um, run it by them. I always ask permission, mm. um, even if they're not really in my life anymore. And the one exception to that uh, was the book that I wrote, Inside Out, because that 
relationship in my mind raised to the level of an abusive really an emotionally abusive relationship and i was being sort of manipulated throughout the relationship uh and one of the things that my ex really tried to do was like control my narrative like if i would tell my friends uh, a fight that we had had he would be mad at me for telling my friends what was happening in our relationship so mm. uh, there were consequences to even just talking openly to my friends so, so you did not ask his permission i didn't because once the relationship was over what i realized that i needed to do to heal was to actually just tell my own story without editing myself mm. with his you know sort of like voice in my brain and i also knew at that time that if i if i did that if i told the story my whole story my version of it I was forcing myself to never have him in my life again because he wouldn't put up with that. Like, he would not ever talk to me again if mm. I wrote down the truth. And mm. at that time, I was writing sort of immediately in the wake of the breakup. And then I spent several years editing the text before submitting it to publishers. But I was writing it down specifically so that this person could not be in my life anymore. So you said earlier that mm. this is, you have like a rule for writing about exes, but, it, but yeah. it's not really a rule. It's a case by case basis, it sounds um, like, and it, it, as it should be. I mean, it is a case, but it is not. It is a rule, um, and a rule with that you made an exception. For. An exception for, and because in the in my mind, it wasn't a, a relationship; it was an abusive relationship, and it was and it right. was functional, right? You were just like wringing the last bits of him for sure. out of you. But then, but the, I mean, the ironic part about that is that then you then have to go on tour and like read about him, and then his <laughs> and then he follows you in your professional career, so he's never actually gone. The thing that that did though is that made. Um, it made the relationship into something I had agency over. Mm -hmm. It made the relationship into something I controlled. That was a, again, I wouldn't have done this with any of my exes that some ex, an ex can be an asshole to you without being abusive. Right. And so when my exes are assholes to me, I still let them, I give them a say in the narrative that I tell this ex was like emotionally abusive toward me so I actually transformed in him and our relationship into something completely of my making and that actually made it healing in a way to go on tour uh, and to, 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 to own what had happened right I mean I think too um, I've definitely written quote unquote about in huge scare quotes about exes but it was never really about them because mm -hmm. we were talking because mm. I, I feel like in my writing in particular I'm trying to get to a certain level of familiarity mm -hmm. and a certain level of intimacy with an audience so that it sounds mm -hmm. as if you're having if you read what I wrote it would be as if you were having a conversation with me right. like reading it and meeting me you, you would understand that those were the same person mm -hmm. and in order to affect a kind of an intimacy I borrowed from intimacies that I had oh, you know into, like into relationships that I had but it's not like I took any one person and I was like I'm writing about you mm. it was just like gestures you know mm. or um, conversations or the ways in which you have a patter with somebody who you're really really familiar with including friend patter mm. you know but nobody in my books is somebody is it, it's, it's not autobiographical it's not autobiographically about me nor is it about a particular relationship do mm. you care about what comes out of the work when your exes read it like they it, certainly they must see themselves well they have i'm sure yes and they and certain ones have uh, have thought that they were in work that they're definitely not in <laughs> you're like, so bad we all know it is a trait probably, of cops to insert themselves <laughs> where they the need yeah, yeah, yeah. not insert themselves <laughs> you probably think this poem's about <laughs> you but honestly i think when i'm writing writing the process of writing I don't have any self-consciousness. I, I try as much as possible not to mm. because I'm trying to make it in, not in such an intimidating process and also just try mm. to try to be a little bit ignorant of it to, mm -hmm. to, anyway so that later on when it gets published or it gets turned into a book, I literally forgot most of what it is that I did 
partially because I think writing you're under the influence and so then I forget as if I was under the influence of something else like a Mm -hmm. drug or alcohol or something like that but then also Mm -hmm. I think I try to write as instinctually as possible so my brain is like making connections that I'm probably not even aware of Mm -hmm. it's only upon the performance of the work that I'm like ooh and he's right Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. and I definitely just recited a text message and now he thinks it's about him (laughs) (laughs) the the two of you are touching on something um, which is that uh, it can be beneficial or helpful to the work itself to not overthink how someone else, how mm-hmm. an ex is perceiving mm-hmm. it, might perceive it later. Mm-hmm. Like you don't yeah. want the the work to be beholden to that person or multiple people. Yes. I yeah. think that's because it then becomes procrastination. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. And it, you're looking for reasons to like not write. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, we all attended a, a lecture of Michelle T's at Tin House in which she said something to the effect of like, what you think about my writing is none of my business. <laughs> which I think <laughs> is so mm-hmm. exquisite. And you know, yeah, everyone has different philosophies about like writing people into your writing real life people into your work but I think that is a wonderful philosophy to go by personally so I feel like Joe is probably going to try to challenge me on this claim but I'm just going to go out go like come right out and say that I don't feel like I have ever really or like explicitly written about an ex in my work in part because none of my exes have been significant enough to really merit being in my work and because when in my fiction, the primary relationship that I am concerned about is not so much a romantic relationship. That's part of the geography of most, most much of what I've written, but I'm really concerned a lot more about like a parental and child relationship. And so, mm. um, that's so those are not that's not the concern. The other thing though that I would say is that I don't have any real rule around whether or not I would write about an ex. I think if I was in a relationship that I felt merited, um, finding itself onto my fictional page, then I would just like do it and I would treat it like any other relationship that I've ever written about. It's not something that I'm scared of. And my sort of feeling is that that person, I don't feel like that person has a right to have any say in my artistic practice. And how I write about, how I write about what has happened like, that's my choice. That's my empowerment. Toni Morrison talks about writing as a free place. No one gets to tell her what to do. Mm. And that's kind mm. of the way that I approach it. It's not to say that I wouldn't necessarily let someone know about the way that I've written about them in my work if I if I had done that. Um, but the idea that I would ask in any way mm-hmm. um, is not, that's just not something I would do. Have y'all ever dated other writers? I've dated people who were allegedly writers. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, unquote, writers. The shade. The shade. I mean, and I, you know, I've dated lots of different types of artists and a couple of normies, but like (laughs) mostly musicians because Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be a famous pop song. And so I'm just kind of like, which one of you have I ride to Billboard Top 100? And how many times has it happened? Twice. Two times. How did you you feel about that after, after you were written into a song? I was... (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted it to go number one because I wanted to be a famous pop song unfortunately they didn't really go anywhere (laughs) stayed Um, on the SoundCloud page (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I didn't feel I mean as a person who 
tries to write as much as I can from a place of not from reflection, but from generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fault anybody's um, interpretation yeah. of me. I can't mm-hmm. because right. like yeah. I have interpretations that have nothing to do with the people. And oftentimes their interpretation doesn't have that much to do with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's heightened by whatever emotion you were feeling in the minute. Yes. Oftentimes heartbreak, oftentimes anger, oftentimes mm-hmm. affection yeah. and mm-hmm. rejection. And yeah. so those have an influence on the way people see events and record them. Mm-hmm. I had a breakup with someone a while ago and I had this very vivid memory of um, it being a very cordial breakup. Like it was like really well done. Like we like talked about everything that needed to be talked about, like talked about our needs, talked about our boundaries, talked about whatever kind of mutual like separation. Um, And at the end of it, I was kind of like, they, they were a writer and I was like, okay, but also can you not put me in like one of your works? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'd be totally cool with that. And they were like, they like, basically laughed in my face. (laughs) And they were just like, Fran, I'm going to write about this. (laughs) I love them for that. And then I thought about it and I was like, wait, I would be upset if they didn't write wow. about it. Like, I would, Silence. I think yeah. if, they, if I did not get turned into a famous play, I think I would be pissed. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? So I think that, you know, I had like a, a little bit of an ego moment there and then I was like, wait, wait, no, this is what I want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. uh, I hate dating. I wouldn't, I, I have a rule against dating writers. Again, a rule that I would break if a really great person came along. But I mean, I especially have, poets because they're trash. They <laughs> are trash. I have a long history of dating artists, but I am really attracted to people who are brilliant geniuses, but it's something that I totally can't do. Mm-hmm. Like performers and singers and dancers, like people who have a, a, a practice with their body mm-hmm. more more so than like the type of shit that I work on. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's fucking magic to me that you can like lift your, I can't lift my leg more than a foot off the ground and it starts hurting and shaking. And, and I like farting. <laughs> I, just, I, I was <laughs> farting the whole time, Tommy, uh, to be yeah. honest. You just God. farting the whole time. Like it is, so I, I'm really drawn to people who are great at that, but. You've I, appeared in other people's work. Um, no. In Paul's work. Oh, mm. yeah, but Paul and I, that, that was, that's amicable. I mean, we've been friends and collaborators. And, you know, like, I'm in your work and you're in my work. Like, you know, I sort of have this community of non-romantic friends where we're, like, all fucking artists and we are all in each other's work and we help edit each other's work and generate work. Uh, but I like to keep that kind of away from my romantic life, which gets a little sloppy and messy and emotional. Mm. I've definitely dated three people that were quote-unquote poets who ended up writing poems and I it was like after we started dating I was like they were like and I write poetry and I was like do you do you though my performer ex literally was like oh you write and I think he thought that like oh just because you write that it's pretty easy he literally wrote like six poems and submitted them to like the top three like like the New Yorker and and like literally the audacity he just like had never written a line before and when he had never heard back he was like I can't believe I never heard back about those poems oh my god (laughs) and he knew what my life was like and how much rejection I got even though I had spent years on my craft but I mean everyone thinks they're like the second coming of like just David any Foster Wallace. Great yeah. poet. <laughs> David yeah. Foster Wallace. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Fran that brought up DFW. That's, <laughs> right. That's not where I was going. To, yeah. Follow up question. Follow up question. Um, because we're talking about dating writers. Have you ever stayed with someone for? writing material Ooh. Ooh. Well, not knowingly because I told myself I was staying with him because of his apartment 
Oh, oh that's yes. fair, fair, so that, fair. That, and, and it's New, New York, York, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it was there was conflict there, and it wasn't like I was chasing the conflict, but it was, it was creating unprecedented feelings inside of me that I mm. knew I needed to explore, both in therapy yeah. and in writing. And it wasn't like I don't feel like I don't think it was manipulative, but it did feel like there's something else going on here. And as a student of life, <laughs> I must capture this with my pen. <laughs> oh my god! One, one time, I stayed with a guy for his apartment um, because I was literally homeless and did not have like any source of steady income yet. I had just gotten a job at American Apparel and I was like, you just need one more month to save up. Like, <laughs> you just gotta keep dating this guy and like crash in his apartment. It was in the Upper East Side. His parents was paying for it. We're paying for it. So it was really nice. And uh, um, he was obviously terrible and uh <laughs> and was also um a white guy and he was writing a musical about the egyptian revolution oh uh, it was bad no. god it was wow. so bad but it was worth it i regret nothing the listen a you, place to stay you gotta do what you gotta do to work out the apartment scam that is new york city like yeah. you have to figure it out i so this is the thing i've never really seriously dated like a it's, serious writer um the last guy that i dated um more seriously, the the one that I mentioned with the average sites peen did sort of like write and would like publish things on like medium and, and that sort of thing, like self-publish these things. But he didn't consider himself a writer and I didn't really consider himself a writer either. But I did stay with him. Um or like I mean I genuinely liked him, but he turned out to be sort of similar to the husband of the main character in the book that I'm writing. And so I just sort of thought let me just try to turn on my writing brain. Yeah. Mm. And like research and just like understand him a little more. Now I actually understand he's really not like that person other than sort of like physically and circumstantially, but like personality wise, he's not, but I tried to do that, but it didn't work. Like I find that like sort of intentionally mixing my literary life and ambition with my social life just doesn't feel productive mm. to me like mm. it doesn't feel useful mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe it's because like the, again a lot of the people that i end up dating are just not people that i'm terribly interested in writing about <laughs> or interested in full full stop <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe yeah i mean you know maybe i, I don't know i think it's kind of a gift to appear in somebody else's work it to is. be honest with you it and is. i think too especially that, like, if you have some distance from it yeah yes. yeah yeah that's true uh, but also like you know you think about like heartburn by nora efron or like or even you know um crime me a river by justin timberlake you oh, know what yeah. i mean Can you uh, yeah uh, that like that that is about capturing maybe something in particular i think i'm always suspicious about personally always probably suspicious of the writer because it's coming from their perspective but if it's rendered well right mm-hmm. yeah. they're also telling on themselves exactly like, yes. right you i mean the, the, and the reality is we have to create art about our exes if there was no art about exes and our break there would be, break, so there would be no art, art. Yeah, like bony Vera would, would not so have art. a career like <laughs> which i would be fine with that fully fine with oh that. my gosh how dare you i mean i think that we do have to be wary of um Taylor Swift would not have a career. <laughs> Again, sure. I would be down. fine. Uh, <laughs> not think, a problem. I think we do have to be wary as artists about creating, about living our lives for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Hilton Niles writes about that beautifully uh, in the first essay in White Girls, where he's talking about having spent the bulk of his life really living his life less fully and only experiencing it fully when he was writing about that experience. He oh. talks about his first kiss. Mm. He wasn't present for his first kiss, but he was present for writing about his first kiss. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a really um, sort of numbed 
way to live. And it's something that, you know, as a, as a nonfiction writer or someone uh, who writes from my own experience and perspective that I definitely can find myself doing. I've definitely never stayed with anyone for writing material. I've stayed with people because I'm desperate <laughs> for a husband. Um, Which does inform your Twitter writing. It does inform it. Really it, does. it informs my literally everything. I, You know what's funny is I have never had any sort of like reticence or remorse about writing about exes or creating work about exes. Like I've talked about my exes yeah. on this podcast, which has actually gotten me in trouble a few yeah, times, yeah, yeah. Um, has had ramifications for my yeah. actions. Um, and I'm curious about what my opinions on this conversation will be after my book of essays comes out, right. which will be mm. profusely about my exes and hopefully uh, with a mass audience. Mm. Um, and I feel like that will create a reality that I will then have to confront uh, later on and maybe develop new opinions on. But what are your um, kind of assessments about the consequences of writing about your exes, mm-hmm. the ramifications of it, how you deal with those things, um, et cetera. I mean, for, for me, my relationships are more important than my art. Like, I can just say that straight out. Not that, not everyone, but like my inner circle. Mm-hmm. So I always, I'm always willing to compromise because I don't want to, how do you say Carl Nussisgaard? How do you no, say Carl Narsgaard? Narsgaard, Carl Narsgaard, You know, like essentially, like wrote this intensely autobiographical uh, fiction and lost his family from it. They, they were tired of seeing themselves in it, and they were like, "Stop, or we're leaving." And he was like, "No," and so like they got divorced. Oh, really? Um, mm. You know, and, and I don't want that for my life. Like, I don't want to be a very successful artist, but not have people. Mm. I don't know. Mm-mm. Do you think though that that would happen? Or that you would be at risk for that to happen? We're all at risk for that to happen. You know, I, I, I do think so. So it's like, how do we deal with that? Like, this that's the question. How do you deal with mm-hmm. the consequences? I would hope also that we would be, you know, finding a partner that knows that they're going to be written into the work and trust mm. that you will do it in a way that is truthful or mm. do it in a way that won't hurt them. But mm-hmm. again, yeah. that is not always the case. Yeah, well. and I find that it... It becomes an impediment to people wanting to be intimate with it me. It does. It's like it's it's kind of like a novelty at first until they understand that no, I'm profesh. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is not like a side hot. This isn't a hobby. I'm not doing this at the learning annex. No shade. I'm not like you know. I'm not I, like I've got books. I've got stuff coming out in these magazines. I have people soliciting me regularly. I have people commissioning me to write work. That is my life. And so I draw from my inspiration from my imagination and from my life, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. And it's not one or the other, but I think sometimes it's a control thing, right? Because everyone wants to be able to control how they're construed Mm -hmm. to an audience. Even And and like just hearing a, a facet of their being inside of a piece of work, they think it's... Um, it, it is the it is something that will follow them around, or that that'll be the thing that people think once they see them. You know, like mm-hmm. as they enter a new room. And I understand the fear behind that because I don't want my reputation to precede me if it's shitty. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hmm. I'm full, but I feel like I could put one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So let's cap this episode off with a little dessert, friend. Hello. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to talk to y'all about this movie that came out a little bit ago called 
Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Um, it is the door. It's Dora the Explorer, um, yes. adapted for live action film. Immediately, probably induces eye rolls. If you're listening to this podcast, you're like, "Why am I going to go watch a children's movie?" People stands of this podcast know that I am a Coco stan. In a similar vein, like I love like Latinx driven like children's movies. Like whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But in order to understand why this movie was amazing and why I was so excited to see it, we have to look back at a history of Dora the Explorer and what yes. about give us the four one one. Um, so. About, like, 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago, there were three writers that were tasked by Nickelodeon Jr.'s, like, team, and they were like, create the the next big show. They were like, we, like, ages two to five, like, these are your prerequisites, and, like, Blue's Clues had just hit the market and was, like, the most popular show on television. So they were just like, they were basically like, find something that can compete with, like, compete with ourselves, compete with Blue's Clues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they were kind of, as the format of Blue's Clues was, created you know they were obsessed with like that pause where like you know the main character will like look at the audience like you know break the fourth wall and be like hey tell me like point to something that's blue can you find blue this is educational and right and that helped they like studies found that like kids would remember vocabulary words better or just learn better if they were more engaged with the work and as opposed to being like passive viewers and so you know they came up with a show they were like we have this girl she's an explorer she has a backpack she has a map there's a swiper who swipes stuff um, and she like lives in a jungle and they had kind of developed and developed and developed and then at a certain point they rethought who the main character could be and around the same time Pat Buchanan was running, running for president on like a fiercely anti-immigrant fiercely anti- anti-Mexican campaign that was kind of infiltrating like pop culture and like everything that we were consuming on the news in a way that might be say, very similar to what since then <laughs> Um, and so the three writers were kind of like, wait, they looked at at all 80 shows that were marketed towards kids that were on television at that exact moment. And zero of them were Latinx, zero Latinx led shows. And so they were like, why don't we make Dora a Latinx girl? I'm going to cry. Isn't that so beautiful? And so like the conception of her as like a central character to what would then be immediately the most popular show on television, Beating Blue's Clues. Mm. The impetus of that was in direct protest to a, a cultural toxicity and poison that like kids would grow up with and they would see you know what Buchanan or whatever like spewing hate um, and have this girl to look up to and be like actually this girl is like thriving and getting her whole ass life with her mouth and her backpack and so it's kind of beautiful that 20 years later a live action adaptation is being made into uh, for the masses in a very different but also very similar mm-hmm. cultural moment yeah um but the movie itself was also really good oh. you guys it was like so funny and fun and like i watched it alone because i like only watch movies alone it's like my favorite thing to do like took myself to the movie theater and i was just laughing out loud to myself at a kid's movie mm. just so and also teebs you would like absolutely fuck with it like it breaks the fourth wall so many times like it like really fucks with the form like there's just like very it's very like you know um, metafictional, if you will. Oh, I just got hard. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Still a children's movie, ho. But still I a am, children's movie. I'm actually going to do it. I mean, I saw the posters for it. I knew that the guy who played Selena's brother and the Selena movie was going to be in it. That's I was right. like, okay, let's maybe check this out. But I, you know, I don't really go up for kids like that. You know what mm. I mean? Like in general. Yeah, um, you hate kids. <laughs> children. Hate children. Hate children. Just, I mean, I don't mind them if they're not around me. That's all. Right. But, um, and, and also just no 
knowing that I was that the audience was going to be mostly children. I was right. like, maybe I'll save this for the plane. Right. But now that there's an Alamo draft house in downtown LA, I feel like I want to see every movie and you have to be 18 and over to get into that one. So that's why I'm going to see Zora. That's yeah. right. That oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's really so good. And uh, my other thing that I kind of had, like, I was a little weary of it because like they decided to base Dora in the per- in Peru. They decided to make her Peruvian mm. and then loop in, um, at, uh, uh, a plotline that deals with like indigenous cultures in Peru. Oh. And so they sourced an actor that is Peruvian and her family is all like in like native to that that land and they speak the language that they um weave into the Adore the Explorer movie um and had consultants working on the movie to make sure that it all felt accurate. And they um a lot of like what the people who were creating this movie um were referencing is they were like, we've just seen this fucked over so many times in kids' movies. Like mm-hmm. we saw Indiana Jones. Like it was fucking mm-hmm. terrible like it's relationships to just people of color in general but yeah, like specifically sure. indigenous people was like a travesty yeah. and so like how do we do this in a way that will still feel that will feel true to like what the story's supposed to be and also like n- n- not um hurtful yeah, yeah not like some fucking yeah. jumanji shit yeah oh some jumanji God. shit lord um and it, it really like I, it had like two different anti-colonial jokes that were like I was busting a gut and like and when I really think about it I was like oh my god like Dora the Explorer is like Latinx like like feminist Indiana Jones like like, (laughs) anti-colonial Indiana Jones and I was so here for it like this they had this whole thing that was just like we don't like we don't treasure hunt like that's not our fucking thing like we're explorers and that's it Mm. like we don't like pillage you know Mm. it was like a beautiful like kind of undoing of a lot of like narratives of like searching for gold stories are I like oh, the fact that it wow. um it the title does like it's a slant rhyme but it does rhyme if you have a New York accent. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Dora the Explorer. Oh, my God. Dora the Explorer. Now, was Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, or do I just want him to be in everything? <laughs> he should have been in it, but he was. We not. needed him in it. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Our producer is both our mom and our dad, Alexander DeBond. <laughs> our social media manager is the spunky motherfucker, Christina Tucker. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, or we will steal all of Joe's nail polishes. Okay. Oh, no, my God. I need them. They're you actually, need I to need choose them. better <laughs> colors. Okay. Uh, I am Tommy Tees Pico. You can find me at Haiti. On all relevant social media, that's H E Y T E E B S. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Dennis Norris II, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T H E E A R L D E N D E N. And I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts about how... T-H-O-T. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 